Hey guys, it's Sarah. Welcome back to The Circle Opens. I am so excited to be talking to you guys again and for you guys to be listening. I just wanted to give you a few heads up, some quick notes before this episode begins. This episode is talking about the first episode of The Stand miniseries from CBS All Access. Episode one is titled The End. I have a guest on with me. His name is Sean from the What Doesn't Matter podcast. Uh, And we had both seen the episode a week early, so we were excited to talk about it. However, this episode will include spoilers for the book. So if you've not read the book, I would recommend not listening to this episode unless you don't care about spoilers or what's coming. It was just a little too difficult to really dive into this episode uh, without mentioning some foreshadowing. Um, some scenes that we're really excited to see in the future episodes. So this is your spoiler warning now. If you do not want to be spoiled, perhaps keep this episode in your library until the series has ended, and then maybe you can binge all of the review episodes that I have planned for you. Uh, So I just want to give you a heads up about that. And one more thing, we do discuss um, briefly, I think around the three to four minute mark about the premiere date and the time. For some reason, Sean and I were trying to figure out if the the stand would be released at 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. before after recording, Sean pointed out that CBS All Access is a streaming service that releases episodes the same way Netflix does. Not all at once, but the episode would be available for you to watch at any time during the day on the 17th. It is not network television, and I guess that kind of shows our age that we couldn't figure that out when discussing it. So that's also something we figured out after the fact, but I didn't really want to cut into the episode to tell you guys that we messed up there. So now that you know, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I did not do a lot of editing on this episode just because it was a very natural conversation. I didn't want to cut too much out of it. There are a few tangents that we kind of go off on, but we try to keep it you know, directly related to the stand and Stephen King and what to expect. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you stick around. I will be doing future review episodes every week. I'm not sure that they will be released on Thursdays or Fridays. I do have plans to come back to book reviews starting with Night Shift on January 2nd. And I don't really want those episodes to overlap. So you might see the book reviews on Saturday and perhaps the TV show reviews on like Monday. I haven't decided yet, but the closer we get to it, I will release some more information. You can always check out thecircleopens.com to keep up. So thank you guys. Thank you for coming back to listen. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you enjoy the first episode and give me a holler on social media if you did or didn't. I'd love to talk to you. And here we go, you guys. Enjoy the episode.
everybody, and welcome back to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. And today I am doing a special episode for the premiere of The Stand on CBS All Access. And we are going to be, I'm here with a very good friend of mine, Sean, from the What Does It Matter podcast. Hello, Sean. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. And we both had the amazing experience to see this episode on the 9th from CBS All Access. And uh, we were dying to talk about it. So I figured it would be really fun to kind of hash out the first episode of the series with somebody who enjoys and loves the book as much as I do. And we have a lot of thoughts. So before we get into that, I'm going to. Um, Sean, how has your month been? <laughs> <laughs> how has your 2020 been going for you? Well, I'm not looking forward to the sequel called 2021. Right. Uh, you mean I it's mean, not it looks just... like it's going to have a happy ending. Well, yeah, hopefully one of the good happy endings. And um, that sounded really dirty. And I just realized how that sounded to me. And you know who you're talking to. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to, so we'll kind of pull <laughs> it back a little bit. Yeah, you but, go. But yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of really looking forward to 2021. But I also am not somebody who thinks that as soon as it the you know the clock chimes midnight on December 31st that all will be better. And but we're I think that we're on a good path now to hopefully. Next year, things kind of getting back to normal, and The Stand will just be fiction again. Yeah, but I mean, what if there are side effects of this? Uh, <laughs> see, I've got to be the well. guy that says it. So the, the, the vaccine is going to have side effects, and then it's going to be like rage from 28 days later. Is that well, going to be any better? It depends on if you like zombie movies, because if you enjoy the zombie genre, then I think you'll be really excited for that. But um, I think vaccines have side effects, no matter what you're getting, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic that there will be no pandemic or zombies or uh, flesh eating whatever coming at us next year. I think that I don't know. I, I'm feeling more optimistic now at the end of the year than I was the last. When did we talk last? That was May. May. That was um, May or June? Yeah. No, it was May because when I called you today, my last call to you was May thirteenth. So almost, what, eight months to the day, Yeah, we talked about the stand on your podcast, the What Does It Matter podcast, and um, things were really shitty at that point. Excuse my language. Things were really crappy. So I, <laughs> <laughs> my whole point of view was let's get to November um, election day and then let's see what happens after that. So while it still feels like March took about seven months to get through. I can't believe it's already December 12th and we're almost to uh, the end of the year. So I'm really excited um, because good things are happening right now. Um, Not just like in the world, you know, we don't want to get into politics or anything like that right now, but The Stand is premiering. Um, Well, I guess when this episode airs, it will have already premiered Thursday, uh, the 17th at 7 p.m. I think it's 7 p.m., is it I know 7 that's what, p.m.? I don't know. My husband was like, why would it be 7 and not like 9 o'clock? So maybe <laughs> maybe it is later in the evening. I can't really remember the time because in my head it was December 9th at 7 p.m. for us. So it might be later in the evening. But anyway, at this point, when this episode goes live, it will have already aired. 
And we will only have one more week to wait to see the second episode, which I believe is, I, I guess this could be a spoiler, but they're out there. The second episode is called Pocket Savior, and the first episode was called The End, which reminds me, as I ramble on right now, I'm really disappointed that Marilyn Manson's cover of The End by The Doors will not be in the show. Because I thought it was really good. I thought it fit the mood of the stand really well. And now it was too expensive for CBS. And now we're not going to be able to hear it. And I think it's even been taken off uh, Apple Music and all those places. So I'm kind of bummed about that. Did you yeah. get a chance to hear that? Oh, I loved it. I, that's also Did my you? favorite Doors tune. I, oh, I yeah. love the Doors. And... uh did you enjoy the cover? Yeah. I did. I did. I didn't hate it. I like it when Manson does covers because he still puts that little, I'm gonna sing like <laughs> this, spin on it. And it was good. I thought he did a nice job. The thing I'm even more disappointed about, though, mm-hmm. involving Marilyn Manson, is that uh, you don't fucking tell me, I tell you. You got that happy Happy crappy. crappy. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to see him as the kid. And, you know, I had been thinking- while everybody was, oh, he's going to play Trash Can Man. He just didn't fit that type in my head. But I was like, no. he would make a really good monster shouter or the kid. And so when they confirmed that they had approached him to play the kid, I was excited. And then, of course, in that same article, it was like, oh, well, it just didn't make sense to include him, which, again, was fairly disappointing because I was really thinking that with the lack of restrictions being on uh, CBS All Access, that... They could really go for it with the kid and Trash Can Man. And, you know, that that whole chapter was a disturbing chapter. I was weirdly excited (laughs) to see it on screen. But I guess that'll have to be maybe 10 to 20 years in the future when they decide to reboot the stand again and give it it another adaptation. There's that gun barrel. And but but we're going to get the road. Oh, God. Uh, The circus. Yeah. The circus. That, that scene in the trailer. Every the time zoo. I see it, I'm just the like, zoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, and but as long as I don't hear about barbed wire, I'll be fine. Yeah, I I have to skip past. I skim past that little description when I reread the book because it's just too much for me. It's um, yeah, it's it's like were you like trying to like shock us even more, Mister King? He did a good job. I <laughs> mean, <You think>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sm- but see, and it's it said. I don't want to say in such a passing way because they're describing, those women were describing what they went through, but it's just they speak about it so matter of factly, like, oh, yeah, this is what he did to her. And, you know, I, they're not going to, they're not going to, they might mention it on the show, but I can't see it. I can't see them really diving deep into the details of that. The, the scene from the trailer, the little bits that we have seen, it looks pretty intense. So I'm, but that actually also re- looks post fight. So I'm like, I'm probably yeah, going to be like all about it, but still. Well, and I remember in the trailer, you can see one of the men tackling Harold on the ground. So I think that we're going to see the gunfire. We're going to see the gunfight, but I'm kind of hoping, I don't know. I guess I'm just, curious there's only so much the trailer can tell you you can you know you can speculate you can break it down and try to figure out what each scene is coming from but especially after seeing the first episode um of the stand so far i'm kind of excited to see what they're going to give us from the book but i'm also kind of excited to see what else they add to the story that i felt really worked for uh the first episode too so yeah, I I think that uh, 
let's talk about the first episode because we've both seen it now. And I took some notes as it started. I did really well at taking some, you know, handwritten notes. And then I got, I kind of got sucked into the story to where I completely forgot I had a pen in my hand, which is a good thing. But it also means that at this point, it being four days later, my brain has completely melted back into mom brain. So we can kind of <laughs> remind each other about what we've seen <laughs> and what we thought. So just Fair an enough. over, yeah, an overall thought process coming from you because I know you love the book and we will talk about the 94 series later when we're actually able to rewatch that and talk about that especially comparing it now to this is going to be really fun but what did you think of the first episode overall I loved it I was really yeah. really really happy um by the way Black Sabbath changes yeah. Yeah. yes my the, god what the is, music choices the music choices were spot on perfect yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Although it doesn't I'm kind of missing this the Snuffy Walden music. You know, I I was listening kind of closely for the score and I remember thinking there's a scene and of course this episode will have massive spoilers for the first episode of The Stand because it's already aired. If you don't want to be spoiled, I should have said this at the beginning, but if you oh, don't no want shit, to be yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled for this episode, if you're listening right now, turn this off and come back to this episode after you've watched the uh the end because obviously we're going to be talking about it. I I want to talk about the episode fully. I don't want to have to edit myself. So, spoilers ahead. But anyway, the scene with Harold when he's giving his monologue over, uh, you know, scenes of him kind of connecting to people in Boulder, including, I never know how to say his, say his name, um, Ian Bailey, who plays Teddy Wizak. Wizak. Uh, there Wizak, was, I think, right? yeah, Teddy Wizak, yeah. and he's a great character actor. I've seen him in quite a few things, and I know he was in another King adaptation. Oh God, from Nightmares and Dreamscapes, and I cannot remember which one it was, but anyway. There's the scene of them sitting and he's talking to Harold about, you know, how he wants to open the drive-in movie theater again when everything is back and running. And they're talking and they're sitting there and there was this music playing and it was so beautiful. And it wasn't, you know, a song. It was just this, this score. And I was like, that's what I've been looking for in this entire episode is the score. And that was really the only piece of music I heard that I was wondering if it was the an original you know, piece for the show or not, because everything else was kind of lyrical. But um, I'm really hoping that we get more information on the score because I thought that was a really nice piece of music. That but was other gorgeous. Than that, yeah, and yeah. then there was something when um uh, when Stu was talking to Starkey, and there was just that like little oh, yes. drone, like, mm -hmm. and it was more like atmospheric to create the tension, right? And I also liked how they changed that scene, but at the same time, I was like, oh, man, I love J.K. Simmons, but Ed Harris reprising that role would have been badass. That would have... I was kind of expecting it at first until I heard him speaking on the, you know, when Stu is trying to get out of there and he hears Starkey talking to him over the intercom. I was like, that's not Ed Harris. That's J.K. Simmons. It was yeah. very obvious. <laughs> but the, you know what? And like, I don't want to like go too far ahead. Yeah. Because we were talking about Harold and Teddy and the yeah. gorgeous music. And by the way, yeah. uh, Crycheck. Yes. Crycheck is in it. Yes. I screamed his name. Well, I screamed Crycheck <laughs> when he came on. <laughs> I know it's Nic Nicholas Lee. And I'm doing an X-File rewatch right now. So I've been 
I have a very complicated relationship with Alex Krychek, but I was still very excited to see him um, playing Norris. And I had wondered, I said, which Norris is he playing? Because there's two in the book. But he is obviously the Norris that was the funeral director before the plague hit and he took over the body removal in Boulder. So it was really nice to see his face again. Yeah, I agree. But so I digress because my my issue with the stew thing at the CDC is where's his PS, uh, PS, PTSD going to come from now? Yeah, because he had a really difficult time getting out of the CDC. And one thing I noticed is they didn't, uh, unless I missed something, because my husband kept popping in and out to see if I wanted food and everything. Yeah, that was very nice. But at the same time, I'm like, go away. <laughs> Do you understand what's happening right now? But they didn't take him to the CDC, did they? They were going to take him to Vermont. But I thought that they said they took Stu down in the bunker where they would have taken, wasn't it the president and the vice president? Did I completely mishear that? Did they take him I to believe, Vermont? I thought they took him to Vermont. Because they meant, uh, no, because when what's his face? And I can't remember, oh, God damn it. I can't remember the character's name. And I thought the guy that played him was perfect. Just the Ellis. right amount of serious and comedy. Yes. Yes, Dr. Dr. Jim Ellis, who was uh, Hamish Linklater. So I wrote that what down. What <laughs> a performance. He what was an great. Absolutely great performance. Actually, I thought um, Cyclops was fantastic with everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. James Marston was great. Uh, and really great. I know, you know, we've talked about the 94 series before, how, you know, Gary Sinise and Ruby D were kind of those two beyond perfect casting choices for yes. Stu and Mother Abigail. And Gary Sinise is one of those, I'm like, you can't top Gary Sinise. And even now, I still think he, in my head, is like the ultimate Stu Redman. But James Marson has that good old boy, quiet country boy look to him. I know he's very handsome, but Gary Sinise is unconventionally good looking. <laughs> rugged. But, yeah, very rugged. But James Marson just had that... Oh, what am I looking for? What word am I looking for? He just has that kind of embodiment of that one person that you can look at. And he doesn't talk much, but you know, he's going to do the right thing. He's not going to bend. He's the one, you know, Gary Sinise showed a lot more, I guess, anger in the 94 series when he finds out, you know, his friends are dead. Yeah. James Marston kind of approached it with a more of a bewildering kind of like what is happening personality to it which i could see that too um but i thought he did a great job as Stu, and i'm actually really excited to see him interacting with the other characters because he did a great same. job with ellis definitely same same yeah. here i i thought his his um chemistry with everybody he came in contact with was great and even that scene at the end with harold was great yeah i was <laughs> jumping to the end with harold but that scene, I was kind of looking in at least the facial, because Odessa Young as Fran, she's very expressive when she's not even talking, which I really enjoy. Looking at them, you know, being friendly with Harold, inviting them, inviting Harold to dinner. Stu seemed to really want to reach out and kind of, you know, we know what's happened between those three. So wanting to mend that bridge there. But you could see, too, with Fran, she's like, oh, by the way, you should come out over for dinner but for me for fran she's coming across as very kind of forced kind of like oh we should be nice let's not make this worse or be awkward but Stu, i'm really wanting to see more interaction between harold and Stu, because to me that's like 
you know, the scene in the book where they're looking for Mother Abigail and he want Harold has plans to kill Stu that night. Yeah. And I'm see, this is the thing I'm hoping I keep hoping that they're putting these scenes in the show. Um, because I just think that kind of stuff, like you said, where does where does Stu's PTSD come from trying to escape? Because basically, J.K. Simmons said, here's how you get out. <laughs> here's your, yeah, here's he, like, how you get out. Yeah, he walks him right out the front door. <laughs> walked, and I wanted to see the chicken guy. I wanted to see, you know, <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> yeah. see that guy grab his ankle and say, come have chicken with me. It's so dark. <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. And I wanted to see, you know, Stu feeling that presence of flag with him. And we kind of didn't get that. All we see is him kind of running and the doors are open. He runs right out into the sunshine. There's no like relief that he's alive. There's no, you know, kind of he made he got out of his prison, but that was never really a prison. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because he was treated really well the entire time. And he was also like, yeah, all right, whatever. Mm -hmm, Sure. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. And there was no, yeah, there was nothing else. I guess cop. Cobb, um, Daniel Sunjata, was, you know, kind of that stand-in for Elder being sent to kill Stu. But I just didn't feel, I guess I didn't feel the intensity that I felt in the book of him trying to escape. Or even the 94 series when Stu is um, confronted by that guy and they have to fight for the gun and he has to kill Elder. Like, you don't really see that. Although... What did you think of what did you think of Cobb's demise with the knife to the <laughs> knife to the throat? You know, they set up the whole thing about Stu, you know, being formerly or yeah, formerly in the army. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, you know, and like all of a sudden like it's just like this special ops kind of attack. Right. And I was like, all right, you know, it was cool. It worked for it worked for the story that we were getting. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that fight with the circus, he's just going to be like Wolverine and just, you know, go all out on them. <laughs> Cyclops as a Wolverine. I like that. Well, um, you know, exactly. <laughs> it was it was fine. I understood why they had to kind of uh, consolidate some of those characters. I really was worried that taking out Dietz and Elder would kind of... I don't know, kind of watered down Stu's experience. But at the same time, I really liked that he had somebody there that wasn't a dick that was actually, you know, understood that he couldn't tell him everything, but was trying to be um, upfront enough that Stu would cooperate. Because in the book, of course, they're just being assholes to Stu, like very matter of fact, like, oh, they're dead. Oh, they're dead. Which I think is how... Uh, you know, Stu f- flipped his shit in the book and in the 94 series attacking the guy because they're so flippant about these people dying. Whereas Ellis seemed kind of, you know, um, sympathetic about it, not really wanting to, you know, shove the knife in any further. But I really liked the the addition to Ellis. I was kind of sad to see him die. I was kind of hoping he would stick around for a little bit longer because the the performer, the actor was really good. So I thought that would have been really f- a fun addition. But alas... No, but he didn't it make also it. it's the beginning of Stu's humanity towards, you know, other people that he doesn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he ha- I think him being able to see what they were doing and even talking to Starkey, which to me was a really surprising addition as well, because yeah. we know Starkey ha- only talked to what uh, Len Creighton and then he went and killed himself in the um, the lab. So really, that's all you see from Starkey. So it kind of humanized the military portion 
of the stand and the plague spreading because you could feel like, at least with Ellis and Starkey, you felt like they really tried to fix things and to keep it from spreading. Whereas in the book, Starkey was kind of like, I mean, he's the one who pulled the trigger on killing the journalists that found out what was mm-hmm. going on. He was, I mean, you of course, I'm just following orders, but he was not really a good person. <laughs> but in this, you kind of get that glimpse of humanity that he's not this cold, unfeeling general that is going to sacrifice these people to save the country. It just kind of felt like he did what he could and he couldn't he didn't he couldn't do enough and that was that. But he also still explains to Stu that he gave the order to spread it around the world. Yes. Which I thought yeah. was great. Yeah, and that was actually one of my favorite parts of the book is when he that's like his last order to Creighton is send these vials with these people overseas and have them release it. And it's so dark. (laughs) It's so dark just because you don't want America to be blamed for it. You're just going to start spreading it so they can't trace it back to our country. So that was yeah, they did a really great job with J.K. Simmons. I like the little changes in Starkey's personality. Um, because like you said, he did admit he gave the order, but at the same time, you also see he's, like I said, he's just not that cold, unfeeling asshole that makes you just hate every member of the military in the book. Yeah. And the thing about his daughter, like holding that book that his daughter gave him. Yeah. That was really sweet. I I can't even put it down now. And then the only time when he finally puts it down is to shoot himself in the heart. Yeah. And you know what was, I kind of chuckled a little bit because Stu like knew what he was about to do. And like Stu just kind of stands there and waits. <laughs> like, but he stood no... there almost at like attention. <laughs> yeah. Almost like, okay, my gen- my general is about to do this and I just have to wait until he's done and then I can get the hell out of here. But there was right. just no, there was no trying to appeal to him. No, like, you know, I think at that point after seeing what happened to his friends and to Ellis and then Cobb, I think he understood that this is just, there's nothing he can do about it. So um, I will be interested. I What did you think about the time, how they went back and forth in time? What did you think? Do you, do you think that added to the story? Would you have preferred them stick to the timeline of the book? I, I think we needed something different because we mm-hmm. got, like you said, you know, we've got that 94 miniseries already. So mm-hmm. we definitely, uh, granted, like, now we've got the use of the word fuck, and, like, we're going to see Vegas for what Vegas is. So, like, it's mm-hmm. going to be a little more true to the book. Doing it linear might not have made as much sense for what they're doing. So I didn't mind them jumping around. Mm-hmm. It's just, if there's only going to be nine more episodes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel a bit rushed. So right. if it's just, like, the gimmick of each episode is going to be like, well, this episode, it's going to be Stu and Harold. And this episode, it's going to be Larry and who, God knows who. It could be, I don't know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be Larry because it's called Pocket Savior. I um, would think it's yeah. going to be Larry and Rita. Well, I mean, yeah, the two of them together. But I mean, like, but then who's the, like, who's the one that's going to go to Flagside going to be? Because that's, like, pretty much essentially Harold. Right. That, you know, so maybe it could be, um, oh, Christ, I almost said Miguel Ferrer. Lloyd Henry. (laughs) Nat Wolf. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, Yeah. It could be Lloyd. I mean, so we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to once again hear, baby, can you dig your man? I feel so bad that you tuned out. I missed it. I I was, and you know what? My gut instinct said, because I wasn't really feeling the, at the end of the premiere, they had an interactive uh, experience that 
you'd watch a video and you type in what you want this girl to do, whatever. And I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. And I hadn't seen my husband all day. So I was like, well, I'll just log off now and go say hi. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I miss at the end, they had Baby Can You Dig Your Man. And I'm so disappointed that I missed it. So I guess I'm just going to have to wait until Thursday when I watch it with my husband because he's going to watch it with me um, and kind of stick through the end just to hear it. Hopefully they'll play it in the episode at the end. I Hopefully would that'll hope be so. Uh, the for the credits. premiere episode or for yeah, the second episode? I don't, ca- I don't care. Just give me... I want to hear, and maybe they'll do, um, you know, I just got CBS All Access for this show, so I don't know how they do, if they do previews for the next episode of a show that's doing a week by week, if they'll show they kind of, they do, okay, so yeah. maybe at the end of Thursday, um, I keep saying Thursday's episode, like it's not, this episode's already aired, but hopefully at the end, they'll show a preview for Pocket Savior, and they'll show a, maybe have a clip of, of it. What did you think of it? What did you think of the uh, new version? Well, first of all, I must say that I got called out for being a smartass during that interactive thing. Nice. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But me? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Me? Yeah, with my real first name, too. How weird was that oh, seeing no. that coming up? I, well, when you said hi, Sarah, I was like, okay, well, I know that's Sean because it's the same last name. <laughs> but right, I was like, right. I don't know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'm listening and I'm like, it sounds, uh, see, I don't. I don't want to spoil anything about it. Um, sure. But it like I, I was just kind of digging it. I was like, oh, does blah, blah, blah have a new song? And then I'm yeah. listening to the lyrics going, wait, I fucking know these lyrics. And then like, baby, can you dig your man? I was like, oh, shit. Well, what's the what's the genre? Is it like a hip hop? Is it like a rock song? Is it, it sounded like Lenny Kravitz? Really? Yeah, it sounded like a Kravitz Excellent. tune. I like that because I, I think it was you who said that Somebody told me they were worried it'd be like EDM. <laughs> it would be like this. Oh, I knew. God. <laughs> this be this ridiculous. Because honestly, I you anybody who knows me or has listened to this podcast knows that Larry is my absolute favorite character in this book. But I can, I love Baby Can You Dig Your Man. I have the t-shirt. But the lyrics are kind of silly for it being a modernized you know, version of this story, like maybe in the 70s, you know, I can dig that man. He's a righteous man, whatever. But now you hear those lyrics, you might be like, really? Like, what is this song? But I think if they did it the right way, and I actually am loving that you said it sounds like Lenny Kravitz because I love Lenny Kravitz. So I think that uh, I'm really excited to hear and I'm hoping that would be great if they put it out, you know, on the soundtrack or (laughs) even as a single so we could download it. Oh, that would be great. Buying a Larry Underwood single fucking finally. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I want the Al Cooper tune from 1994. Oh, yeah. Introduced they, that, by Jeff Goldblum, by the by way. By Jeff Goldblum on the radio. Yeah. I can't believe that was never a thing. Like, we never got to hear the full song, as far as I know. I mean, I don't recall ever hearing the full song, but I do remember it when... They were introducing Larry, so I wonder if they'll kind of do a flashback, kind of like an homage to that in uh, Pocket Savior. But I'm excited to see how they introduce Larry and if they're going to show any flashbacks to his L.A. time. Um, oh, I want to see that party. I want to see that fucking three-day party. That that party on the beach in that Malibu house or wherever the hell he was. Um, Part of my French, by the way. It's totally fine. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll just mark this episode as explicit. <laughs> but I think that... Uh, I like how they did this because in this episode, we start right away in Boulder. They're in the church and almost immediately you can see the dead people in the church. They have the tube neck. 
They have the maggots. They have the flies. And I was wondering how Josh Boone and the others were going to handle uh, Captain Trips, the actual virus, because in the 94 series, it's basically a lot of coughing and phlegm and snot. They didn't really touch on the more disturbing, disgusting aspects of catching this flu, which was that tube neck. Do you recall in the 94 series seeing that at all? There was because no I tube can't neck. Oh, oh, um, uh, I mean, not that you saw it like a lot, but oh, god damn it, from Texas. Uh, oh, Campion. Was it was it Campion? No, no, not Campion. The other um the guy that they bring in from Arnett. Oh uh, he dies. He's one of Stu's friends. He was at the gas station. Not oh, it was Hap. It was Hap. Hap. When Did Hap he dies. Have yeah, when he dies in the uh in the, in the hospital. hospital in the, yeah. <laughs> the CDC. Yeah. I he had he had neck. a bit of it, but they didn't really like show it, show it. It was one of those okay. things like watch for. Well, this this series they show that full like pus filled goiter <laughs> that kind of overtake and i think that's where people are suffocating on their you know their own fluid yeah. i was it was so gruesome that and i shouldn't be getting excited over see- seeing these corpses with all this horrible shit happening to their face but that was exactly how i pictured it when i read the book is they're just getting this huge, it's almost like a tire is building around their neck and it suffocates them to death, basically. So yeah. I was really impressed with how they handled Captain Trips. Um, I was, I'm again, this was the first episode. We have eight more to go, so they might show it, but I kind of wanted to see the complete fall of civilization that we get to see in the book, how everything starts falling apart, you know, the military goes rogue, people start, you know, killing each other. Because in this episode, you know, like I said, we start in Boulder. Harold gets sick, and then out comes Alex Krychek to (laughs) (laughs) comfort him. He will always be Alex Krychek to me, but to comfort Harold. And then that flashes back five months prior to, um, you know, Harold creeping on Fran. And then it kind of cuts to a week later, and everyone's dead. So we don't really get to see just how quickly and how horribly... Captain Tripp spreads across the country and just completely decimates everything. And then how we as <laughs> the human race responds to it. So that's one of my favorite parts of the book. So I'm kind of hoping that we'll see that in some more flashes of introducing new characters in future episodes. But I was really hoping to kind of see some more um, devastation, <laughs> I guess, devastation. It'll be great episode. to see because I know that, you know, Larry and Rita have to leave New York City. Oh, yeah. But I don't know that they're doing... See, this is my issue, is I don't know that Rita and Larry are escaping through the Lincoln Tunnel. I am getting the impression that they're going underground through a sewer. That... (sighs) Now, I could be wrong. Just based on the photos and the trailer, I'm getting the impression that their trek out of New York will be underground. And... I'm not sure if there's a reason, and again, I could be wrong, but I don't know if there's a reason there's a change, like there's a reason for that change, but the Lincoln Tunnel is such an iconic scene. Like, how do you not put Larry that in that? That would be like remaking Raiders of the Lost Ark and not having the truck chase. It's, right. it's iconic. You need that there. That would be yeah. like remaking The Godfather Part <laughs> Two and not having Michael kiss Fredo saying, I know it was you. Now, no, I've never re- seen The Godfather 2. But that's okay. 
What I, the hell is the matter with you? <laughs> I've never seen the Godfather one. <laughs> I did. Well, don't watch the third one. <laughs> Fuck that movie. I side note, I did have the Godfather trilogy on my list for because there's movies that I should have seen by now that I haven't. So um, I have these on. I had a whole list for the whole year of every month I would watch one of these movies that I needed to watch, and the Godfather was on there. But then COVID happened and fucked up my whole year and my mental health just went down the drain. So I just I haven't done it yet, but I do plan on doing it. But that's OK. I'm excited to see The Godfather and The Godfather 2. But don't go with I, three. Ignore I three. OK, I won't watch three, but I will watch the first two. You but should. They like you said, perfect. it's like remaking a classic show or movie and not including the iconic scenes of those because the Lincoln Tunnel was the first the first part of any book I've ever read that literally terrified me just reading it. Um, I remember I was reading this book and I was in my bedroom and it was nighttime and I was, you know, 13 or 14. I think I was 14. And just reading his trying to get through that tunnel in the dark, coming across the bodies, stepping in bloated like bodies and corpses. It was so disturbing that it's the one thing that really sticks in my head that if you mention the stand to me, I just think of the Lincoln Tunnel. So I'm, uh, again, I don't know for sure, but if if they take Larry and Reed out of the Lincoln Tunnel and they put them underground, to me, it just doesn't hold as much weight because how many dead bodies are going to be underground? Do you know what I mean? That, like, what know, are they I'm, going through? I'm with through? you 100%. Like, what are they going to do next? Uh, you know, so Patrick's not going to serenade <laughs> David with simply the best? I mean, oh, you, what, yeah, I mean, what you other iconic it. things are we taking away? Don't do this, CBS. Please. Yeah. Lincoln Tunnel. We got to have the um, Lincoln Tunnel. Got to have it. You mentioned uh, opening up with Harold. There was yeah. some brilliant foreshadowing in that opening scene with Harold being chased where yeah. a crow stops yeah. in the middle and he just... Flips he, on his bike. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I was so excited yeah. for that. The the crow that was stopped in front of I don't know if it was like a dead skunk or a raccoon or something, but it just flitter it floats down there. Harold goes flying off his bike, and I'm like, oh Harold, you think this yeah. is bad? You thought this was bad? Just wait. But just wait again, there's gangrene, buddy. Yeah, and I was like, they had to have the two bullies there with their phones, so we know that it's whatever 2018, 2019, whatever it is. Mention Instagram, of course, to make sure, um, because somebody asked me online, they're like, well, is it in present time? And I said, yeah, I mean, Harold has a laptop that would not exist in 1990. They're like, well, social media, do they have smart? How is that going to work with modern technology? And, you know, even if King had written the book now, it wouldn't have made a difference because the electricity goes out, the power goes out. I mean, you're not going to have the Internet anymore. So while you might be spreading, look at how we did with COVID. If you're on social media, you're talking about it, you're seeing the numbers go up, you know, but once Well, they mentioned shutting down the internet in our net. Yeah. When they quarantined it. So when they started quarantining everywhere else, yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine because you're right. The internet's gone. They're going to, you know, you have a government that wants to- I guess, silence the news and stuff. So you're hearing the news from the TV when Fran is listening and you hear the news on the radio with Harold. But regardless of what era this story takes place in, modern technology is not going to be an issue because you're not going to have it anymore when the world ends. So it just to me, that wasn't really a big, 
you know, factor in whether or not I enjoyed the episode. I really didn't give a crap about the phones or the social media mentions or anything like that because I was like, they're not going to have this in a week anyway. So who cares? But um, you're right. I loved that foreshadowing of Harold on the bike. And um, I thought, and I know I, I've said this before to you, but I thought Owen Teague did a fantastic job oh as Harold. Oh, my God. Especially the, Ooh, the practicing the smile. The grin. It's practicing oh. the smile. And even his voiceover with his monologue from the book, you know, about how he wants to kill Stu. Maybe he'll kill Fran. And hate and, you know, hate and love are two virtues. He, when they casted him, I was just kind of like, okay, you know, the kid from It, <laughs> Patrick Hockstetter. Help me say this. Hockstetter. I can't Hockstetter. say his last name. Hockstetter. Hockstetter? Hockstetter. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, it's that kid. He was fine. He was creepy. You know, it's not really how I pictured Harold, but neither was Corin Nemec. So I'm fine with this. I, he impressed in this <laughs> episode, Lewis. Parker Lewis, ugh, and he really, puts, okay, see, I like Coronemic, but he really went for the sneering, you know, leather clad bad guy. And this kid, Owen T, took Harold and made him so believable as somebody who, you know, he's obviously being bullied. We get that. But he has, he wants to be a writer. His mom seemed fine. She was sick. His sister... <laughs> I liked seeing a, a little bitch. bit of Amy. <laughs> she was just awful. I liked her crying that nobody showed I up did to too. her party. <laughs> Some bridal shower. I did too. So we kind of, you take those few seconds and you see that insight into what Harold's home life is. And you see him spying on Fran. You see him jerking off to her picture, which was bleh. But you're building this up and then just showing him from... That is that what he era. was doing? He it, when he yeah no yeah. I'm just kidding I'm kidding of course <laughs> I, I knew like, what he was I'm I kidding. was like you got to be kidding me right now right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he just showing those few moments um of his life prior to the to the plague and then showing him you know talking to Fran wanting her to go with him and then flash forwarding again to Boulder and how he is making something of himself there that is so completely different he's having he's getting friends he's having people respect him he um, gets his nickname he gets he got called hawk. hawk he got his nickname from um alex Krychek. so yeah. it was it was so great just seeing these two different heralds but at the same time seeing that that resentment and you you know unless you've read the book you don't really understand what has happened well, there's a cool him... thing that they're doing yeah. with his wardrobe as well. Yes. That they got it from Breaking Bad, too, because if you the, the first thing he wears, he's wearing that Hawaiian shirt, but he's yeah. wearing Walter White's uh, jacket and pants. And oh. it, it's the whole thing that you're going to watch how his character changes and like that that uh, descent into darkness, just like they did on Breaking Bad with the color tone of his clothing. So here he is, the nerdy kid. And like the quiet, shy, nerdy dude and with these, you know, bright colored clothes. But then we get to Boulder and they're a bit darker. And then there's that scene where he's walking around still practicing that smile and they're, the clothes are even darker. I did not catch on to that. A, I don't, I've never seen Breaking Bad, but. Shame on you. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a great catch because I don't think a lot of people pay a whole lot of attention to wardrobe a lot, especially as character like a character device. But I, when I watch this episode again, I'm going to definitely look for that because that's a, I didn't even think to look at how 
he's stressing, although, you know, in the book, they mention that he takes better care of himself in Boulder. He's exercising. He's losing weight. His acne's gone. I don't know that he had a whole lot of acne um, in Maine. He had a little bit. But then, you know, you sh- they show him in Boulder jogging in the morning, um, doing all that. So you're showing they're showing this character development. But if you're like somebody, like I said, if you haven't read the book, you don't really know what it is that has made him so furious with his situation until you see him greeting Stu and Fran, who is very hugely pregnant at this point. Obviously, it's not Stu's, but you see that smile he was practicing and how wonderful, (laughs) depending on how you feel about Tom Cruise, how wonderful was it that he was (laughs) was trying to emulate (laughs) Tom Cruise's (laughs) creepy grin? Like that to me is like a little bit of shade (laughs) being thrown at Tom Cruise. But Tom Cruise's smile freaks me out. I can't lie. It creeps me out. So watching <laughs> watching Harold try to emulate that was just perfection for me. What about his mannerisms, too, when he's pointing yes. to Fran's pregnant belly? Go, oh, look at that. And he's oh, doing look, the thing yeah. with his hands, like with his two fingers. He, it's so he's cool. trying so hard. Yeah, to he was be. the MVP of this episode. He was. He impressed that the actor impressed me so much because he never came across to me as this like one-dimensional nerdy guy who's in love with his sister's best friend and he just had everything that embodied Harold in the book he nailed it he nailed it with um just his interactions with Fran he nailed it with his expressions speaking of Fran I thought Odessa Young was really good too even though you know we don't see a whole lot of her but just seeing how she interacted with Harold and even when she was by herself I thought she's I think she's going to do a really good job. I know Fran gets a lot of shit. Uh, There's a lot of people who don't enjoy her as a character. But I sometimes wonder if that's not colored a little bit by Molly Ringwald, if they've seen the series. So that's one of the greatest acting performances (laughs) ever. No, (laughs) (laughs) no. I mean, no offense to Molly Ringwald. She's been in a lot of things that I've enjoyed her in, but she's been great in them. Yeah. Yeah. She's just not. She was not the right choice. And I don't know if you've listened. Do you ever listen to Mick Garris's podcast, The Postmortem with Mick Garris? I have not. Well, he obviously, you know, he directed the 94 series. And yes, he did. He had Josh Boone on his episode, on his podcast this week, and I gave it a listen while I was home. And, you know, he they talk a little bit about the 94 series and how um, when he was trying to get the 94 series made... Uh, he wasn't really pushing for, um, I don't know, I, I can't remember if he said he wasn't pushing for big names or he was kind of be like, oh, we were thinking these people for these characters and maybe if we got these names, they'd be on board. And I guess, uh, I can't remember who even made the series, ABC, was kind of like, well, you know, let's see how this is going to go. And then as they learn, you know, Stephen King's writing the screenplay and this and that, they're like, oh, we need big names we need like Brat Pack names, which is when they came up with Molly Ringwald and Rob Lowe. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I kind of got the impression that Molly Ringwald might not have been their first choice to play Fran. And I think that basically her casting, as lovely as Molly Ringwald is, I think her casting was more for the name recognition than it was for the character. And you can kind of see that in the series because she was just so dull as Franny like I just didn't understand what the point of even having the character was other than she's pregnant and she pisses off Harold by being with Stu and there's so much more to her in the book than that 
But that's oh, yeah. kind of, you know, and uh, we're talking about the 94 series now, which we'll do later, too. But it's just I loved Odessa Young because she showed some fire in her, especially when she talks to Harold when she's trying to bury her dad. That's how she was in the book. Yeah, she was, she was very bitchy. She was bitchy. She was bitchy, irritated. But... She was tired. She didn't want to deal yeah. with Harold. She's trying to bury her dad. Harold's being kind of, in the book at least, being condescending, kind of pretentious. Um, and, you know, when you're about to bury your father, who you've just dressed and <laughs> rolled up into a sheet, sewed it, dragged his body down. Where were you like 20 minutes ago, Harold, to help? But you dragged him downstairs. You have to dig a hole. You have to bury him. And this kid who is clearly creeping on you for however many years shows up and starts, you know, annoying the shit out of you. And I just liked that, at least in this episode, Fran really had just had enough of him. And even when she agrees to go with him and they're getting ready to leave on their like little motorcycle mo motor pads, whatever they were, you can tell she's even then she's kind of like, OK, well, this is my only option I'm really not excited about this, but this is what we have to do. So I like that characterization of Fran a hell of a lot more than I saw with Molly Ringwald. So I'm excited. Again, I keep saying I'm excited, but I am to see a little <laughs> bit to see a little bit more of what she can do as Fran. Oh, of course. Of course. And, you know, you're bringing up the, the Fran Harold stuff. I was so excited that she was hearing Harold typing away from a few blocks away. In the middle oh, of the yeah. night when it's everybody that, is just gone. Oh, it's that God. quiet. It's that quiet. And it's so eerie to think that, like, you two are the last living people in this whole town. And your window's open because it's summer. And you just hear him clacking away <laughs> down the street. Um, it's those little, like you, we talked about before, it's those little details that they pulled out of the book. And gave, I think, people who really love the book and have read it multiple times who will recognize it. I almost feel like those are like for us. Do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, 100%. But I'm, I'm also kind of scared that I think that the entire miniseries is for us. That because of the time jumps, some people might get confused. You think it'll kind of pull people Maybe. out of the story? Maybe. I'm not 100% well, convinced myself, but I just the way that the, even the first 15 minutes flowed. I was a bit like, huh, is this just for us? Yeah, I, you know, I could, yeah, because if you're looking at it, uh, you know, we've read the book. So we know what to look for to know when it's, you know, when they're in the church, we know that they're in Boulder. We know that the yeah. end has already come and gone. And I'm glad that they put, you know, five months earlier so people would know they're jumping back. But then when it shows um, at the end with Campion, at the very end, uh, when... The when the light turns red and the clock starts counting down, we know that that's the very beginning. Yeah. But if you're watching the show and you already see that little flashback to when Stu uh, helps Campion out of the car when that whole scene happens, and then it goes forward and then back again, you might not really, I guess you could see, you could, I could see where some people might be like, wait, what's happening? Like, is this... Is this the beginning? Is this the end? Um, but for us, we already knew what they were doing. And maybe that's why I loved it so much. Because I thought that last scene oh, with Campion. Yeah, so and he's he, he was so good trying to decide, do I, the door's open. Do I stay in here or do I run? And then he runs and you look and there's that boot holding that oh, door open. I was like, yes. yes! 
but also the whole thing in the book too that like you know the dark man just kept following us kept following us the entire way and there he is in the back seat in with the, the baby. back seat oh, yep so fucking good pardon that me was... for a wrench <laughs> you don't have to pardon your french on here you can curse as much as you want it's fine anybody that's read this <laughs> book knows that this i'm being tame yeah <laughs> i i thought that was a great addition to the story giving that little like flag put this in motion yeah. And he allowed Campion to escape and then seeing him on the side of the road with his thumb out, wanting that to hitchhike and Campion keeps driving. Oh, it was so good. And I was like, that really sets up because, you know, in the book, we don't meet Flag until what, like 27 chapters? Yeah, something so we, like that. Yeah. So we just see Campion, you know, things start to fall apart. Everybody gets sick and dies. And then we meet Flag. But in this... We meet him with Harold, which I loved that scene when Harold's typing and he turns around and Flag is offering him the stone. I was like, this is great. This is what I would. These are one of the additions that I really like that they're kind of intertwining Flag already into these characters Um, instead of waiting to introduce him, you know, episode three or four. We're seeing him now and how he's kind of moving the pieces already. I'm curious now, I guess we're not going to see him hovering above the bed. I know that we're going to see him hovering, but I guess we're not going to see him getting his brand new ID and then his car and all that stuff. Well, maybe, uh, but I don't we, really we might, see, but... I don't really see how, honestly, I don't know that that's really significant enough because I always wondered, and maybe you can help me out here, but I always wondered from the book what the point was a flag needing a new ID and car when it's the end of the world, he can be anybody he wants to be. Who's going to question him? Who's going to ask for ID to see what his name I is at that point? I think it was him point? just testing, like, who this person he is now is. Like, oh, am I able to do this? Is this the same thing that I did back in the 60s? With am the I protests? being reborn, basically? Yeah. Okay. So I think it was just him just testing it. I was always confused by that chapter. I was always like, why is this important now? He can have any car he wants. He can... You know, be anybody he wants to be. He can go um, anywhere he wants to anyway. Yeah, he can go anywhere he wants. But I guess that makes sense if he's just kind of testing to see what and who he's going to be now, um, th- that everything is kind of falling apart. But I don't know that the character it's, character of Kit Bradenton was really important enough to show. And I guess if they aren't going to give us the kid, I don't know why they would give us that guy. No, I agree. You know, in passing really quickly. Um, I was also kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see Fran's mom again because I right? thought I thought that, you know, the pregnancy, she didn't tell her dad about the pregnancy like she does in the book. Then that was such a beautiful scene in the book. And she didn't get to have that argument with her mom, which I think also shows a lot of depth into Fran's character and why she is the way she is and how her relationships with her two parents were so different. I w- they didn't show her in the 94 series either, which was super disappointing. So I was a little disappointed that we didn't get a whole lot of Fran's background either. We got a lot more of Harold's than we did Fran's, and, and the book is kind of opposite. But it's also, I think, they're, they're going to set up Harold like that for this because he's they're making him more of a main character, and we're going to see why exactly he is turning. You Where need to Fran see why he's just a like, villain. Yeah. yeah, where like in, in the 94 miniseries, it's like, oh, I want her. Oh, I can't have her. Hey, you're pretty hot. Well, I can't do that. And then there's even the line in the beginning, too. Hey, you're going to die a virgin, Harold. Yep, you are. 
Yeah, he is. Oh, poor Harold. Well, I guess it depends I mean, on your description or definition. Yeah, I mean, honestly, because everything, <laughs> like, yeah, because Nadine's uh, complaint about the one thing, it's kind of like, well, that's that's, that's still... just one thing. I mean, you're but, doing no, no, all this no, other no, stuff. no. But like in the book, like you know, like it's yeah. that's still penetration. Yeah. There, so yeah. it that's that was always my thing. Is like she has to be a virgin. I'm like, well. I guess in the technical sense, yeah. Well, that's God's she's loophole. Really, yeah, she's technically not, though, and neither is Harold. So, <laughs> right, but I mean, maybe that's think... why they both got what what happened to him. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> True. All right, good call. Isn't good that call. isn't that like a horror horror movie thing? Like, you can't have sex or you're gonna die. So they kind of did, but I. I I actually liked that we got to see a little bit more Harold. I think that. Uh, He's what he and Nadine to me are those two characters that I could talk about forever because their motivations are so different and still so similar. Um, I actually got I don't want to say I got into an argument, but I had a discussion with somebody online about Harold, you know, about how he made his choices. He made his decisions to be and you can see it in this series in this episode. He's he's angry. He's immature. He's resentful. And we'll find out more about why in the series, but he's making those decisions to be this person. He's making that choice to say, I could be somebody here. I'm Hawk. I have friends. I don't need to tie myself to Fran and Stu and the committee. But if I do that, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially says, like, I'm killing a part of myself by by accepting that I'm not going to be this person. And I said, you know, in my mind, I'm like, Harold's making these choices. Like, I feel... I have some sympathy for him, but at the same time, he is not somebody who was, uh, he says he was led astray and he was, but he still, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew when Nadine came to him, what it would mean if he accepted it. And he did it anyway. And of course, they were trying to tell me, like, oh, he's 16. He's just a boy. He doesn't understand the consequences of his actions. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, that's what I love about Harold is he he invokes these emotions in people because some people see him as this teenager who was taken advantage of, who was used. And then, you know, me, I see him as the same. But at the same time, he was a very mature 16 slash 17 year old. Yeah, and he was also kind of a genius kid to begin with. He was. He he was into poetry, so he understood emotion. Yeah. He was really, really smart, so he understood how people change. So anybody that's going, oh, I feel bad for Harold, read a book. Right. (laughs) Read The Stand, actually. Exactly. (laughs) Because that's one thing I love about his characterization that King wrote him there's no black or white character in this book. There's no like super evil and super good. Even Mother Abigail, which we'll get to in a minute, but even Mother Abigail has her moment, has her flaws. Like she's not a saint. And Harold and Nadine both had those opportunities to be different people and to choose a different path. And they both decided they, you know, Nadine, I felt like she really didn't have as much of a choice as Harold did, but they both made those choices and they both had to live and die with them. So I don't feel bad for Harold on that level, but I also think he's a great character. I think Nadine's a great character and I was really excited to see. I'm, I'm eager to see how Amber Heard, you know, plays Nadine. I'm, I'm still bitter that her hair is blonde already, but you know, I'll take what I can get, I guess. But Yeah, I think Harold's going to be one of those characters from the series that sticks out more than he did in the book. I think he's going to have a much bigger role 
to play with the series. So probably because the performer is so damn good. He, he was really good. I was I really 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 liked him. So hopefully that and again this is just the first episode. I'm I'm yeah. hoping that things don't go downhill from here, but if we get more of the same, then I think this is going to be a really great nine-part series, one that I think people will all at least all want to rewatch just to catch all the little Easter eggs and things that they put in there, like Fran's pie. There was a whole thing about her and the yes. pie in the book. And then there's the pie on the counter. I got so excited about that. I loved Harold's um, rejection nail, which was very Stephen King because he had done the same thing when he was an up and coming writer. He had that nail in his wall and he would stick his rejection letters on the wall. And he gave what they was gave the store. Yes. 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 You're Cemetery about- Dance. Cemetery Dance Publications <laughs> for Harold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love those little details that they gave. Uh Cemetery Dance obviously is owned by Richard Chismar, who wrote Gwendy with uh Stephen King and is good friends with Stephen King. So I love that Richard Chismar uh rejected. Harold Lauder <laughs> or Harold Lauder. I had somebody tell me that I was saying his name wrong this whole time. So I apologize for that. But <laughs> I thought it was Lauder. I, I thought I don't I think I was saying Harold Lauder or maybe, oh, maybe. I was saying Harold Lauder. No, and they said it's Lauder. I thought I, I thought it was Lauder, but they said it's pronounced Harold Lauder. And I'm like, well, maybe in the series, but I always pronounced it Lauder. So eh, eh, getting off on a tangent about his last nah, name. Tomato, but... tomato, <laughs> right, potato, <we> potato. <laughs> Harold, Harold, who cares? Harold. Harold. But it's those little details for King fans that I, and I'm sure I missed some because I think the whole time I was watching this premiere, I was just like grinning from ear to ear and, you know, super excited. So was Harold at the end. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't grinning like Harold. I probably could, but I. The, when he finds the cop car, the dead cop. uh, Yeah. Derry Farms? Derry. Derry and Sons. What was the name? Darius Dairy Sons, Sons yeah. Where he gets the it's the pawn shop where he got the uh the uh, typewriter. Yes. There was yeah, that was that was nice to see Darius and Sons. I almost you I mean we you've seen it chapter two, so you know about King's cameo and that. So I was kind of expecting him to go in there and like King as the like the clerk would be dead, <laughs> like sprawled over the counter with like uh, silver, high ho silver <laughs> like in the window too. But oh my did. god! You know what? Yeah. I I need to watch it now because maybe Silver is in there. It could and we be. We just missed it. I yeah, mean, there maybe. Were, there were, there's Easter eggs all over the place. There are, and that's why so. I need to watch this again, where I can actually like focus and look for these little things. Because I missed, I I know I missed so many, and I'm sure there's probably going to be an article or a BuzzFeed article, something about here's all the Stephen King Easter eggs you missed in the stand. But the ones that I did catch, I was really excited about. It, I probably would have gone into chat to like look for more, but I was I had full screened my laptop Same. with because I didn't want to get distracted by people chatting. So I I just wanted to watch the episode and kind of take it all in. I really wish that we could have seen it like twice. <laughs> just let us watch it one more time just to kind of fully get into what they were doing. But and give us a code and like you know just fine like you know watermark it with our names under it you yeah. know presented for is that oh, what it said something uh, like that yeah yeah presented for um or yeah presented for Sarah King which it was weird because I gave somebody my husband's uh, code and so they showed me like a screenshot and it said presented for Vince King and I was like oh my husband's out there now on the internet so <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'll ever know I don't even think he knows how to use it that well so one thing I did want to ask you about. 
is, and this is a very touchy subject for you, Mother Abigail, Whoopi Goldberg. Meh. I mean, we only see her for maybe 45 seconds. I know, so, but the delivery of the lines was meh. You, you didn't like how she talked to Fran? I didn't it, dislike. I didn't dislike it. I was just. I just felt meh about it because it didn't have that. Like I don't know. It felt because uh, I've seen her do drama before. I mean, look, Fatal Beauty when she's telling Sam Elliott about her, like you know, being the ugly kid and getting pregnant young and losing the baby. Like there's like emotion and heart there, and like there's so much there. And this one just felt like, very like stilted almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more like, oh, I I've got Ruby D <laughs> shoes to fill. Uh, I can't yeah, but do you, that. Yeah, you can't fill Ruby D. And the best thing to do is to try not even try. No, just, no, she's making it her own. But it, it yeah. just like even if like you know, can you be like Star Trek Whoopi? Because that's a that's a great Whoopi as well. Well, and have okay. I understand like in the corn, but put her on the porch with her guitar. Yeah. And, you know, the way she did in the 94 series when Rob Lowe comes through the corn and all that. Yeah, I guess I could see. And I kind of thought that, too, when they showed her talking to Fran. It was very kind of like it was almost like she was reading from like yeah. a piece of paper. Do you know what I mean? Kind no, of like you come yeah. see me. And Hemingford Home is no longer in Nebraska. Well, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I had an issue with that, too. I was like, wait, it's what? Colorado now. So, and when she said Hemming for Home, Colorado, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Now, th- that could be one of two things. Yeah. One, um, it could just be a screw up that they left in. These things happen. Uh-huh. I mean, Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones, anybody? L- little <laughs> things can be overlooked every now and then. So maybe they're like, oh man, like this was the best performance we got from Whoopi that day. Let's, Let's just uh, go with it. <laughs> all right, cut, print, that's a wrap. Oh no. And, <laughs> Or, or it's just that now Hemingford Home yeah. is... Col- but that makes no sense because they're going to leave Hemingford Home, Colorado to go to Boulder, Colorado? Well, Boulder like, is a lot bigger than Hemingford oh, I, Home. I get it, but I mean, come they're on. They're consolidating I mean, the journey is what I, I... I figured they're consolidating the journey. They don't want to have Nick and Tom and the like go all the way to Nebraska because then they're going to have to show them traveling to Boulder... Although they don't really have to show it, but... But they have to meet Ray Brentner. Yeah, but they can meet Ray Brentner on their way to Colorado. And I noticed when... And I had noticed this from the Vanity Fair pictures that Harold, when he's writing, going to the CDC, he writes the Atlanta CDC and not Stovington. Yes. So that's why I was wondering if they moved Stu to the Stovington CDC, how on earth are he? will he run into... Harold and Fran, if they're going south to Atlanta, I guess oh, maybe they have they're to go just going to go to Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess if they're going through Vermont and going down there, but Harold is the one in the book who comes out up with that plan to go to Stovington. He is smart enough to know there's a CDC in Stovington. So why would he be like, let's go all the way? Maybe because Atlanta is like the the big center for disease. I mean, Stovington doesn't actually exist, but you know, Atlanta's that big. Center for Disease Control, maybe he just thinks that's where they would be, if anywhere. But it just seems like almost like these little changes, I'm not sure what the significance of them are. And why not just have Harold say we're going to Stovington, and then, of course, he's going to cross paths with Stu at that point. But if they're going to Atlanta, I don't know. It just seemed kind of like, why? I guess we're going to find out in the next few weeks. Yeah, probably. And I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, kind of like, well, how are they going to do this now? And how are they going to do that? But I think just based on the first episode with how 
they approached everything with the flashbacks and everything. I I I think I'm still going to be pleased by it. I'm sure that there's going to be some disappointments. I had some disappointments in this episode, but all in all, I was really really happy with it. And I think some of the additions that they put in kind of made up for what they took out. Yes. So, I mean, it's in God's hands now, child. <laughs> Thanks, Mother Abigail. <laughs> I'm assuming that's who you were trying to be. Father Abigail, thank you. <laughs> I mean, because if we're going to get Ray Brentner. Yeah, can we I got be Ray Father Brentner. Abigail? Sure. We got Ray Brentner, who I'm excited about. Rat Woman, who I am excited about because mm-hmm. I love the actress. Uh, who else have they changed? Um, I don't know that they've changed anybody else. I know that they've expanded. Jolie's role in the series. She'll have a more prominent role. Uh, so that should be interesting. What do you think about the look of Lloyd with his like cheetah outfits and cheetah pattern yeah, outfits I mean, and his gold here's tooth? This guy that's like nobody podunk white trash all of a sudden gets the keys to the kingdom. And no he's going to take intended. advantage of it, right? Yeah, he's going to be like, hey, you know what? This looks great. I like Charlie Sheen shirts on Two and a Half Men. I'm going to get a few of those. <laughs> I'm going to get this stupid outfit over here. And well, and that makes sense for him. Yeah, I in in the book, you know, he's kind of riding high on being flags number two, but he also, you know, Lloyd, he has that kind of doubt about yeah. flag and his power and what's going on. Um, some of that responsibility, I think, starts to weigh very heavily on him. But I was really, I saw his pictures when they first came out of him right before he goes to jail with like that Hawaiian shirt. And the ridiculous pants and everything. And I was like, okay, you know. And then I saw the pictures of him with like like the silver or the, like the gold tooth and the slicked back hair and the the really snazzy kind of cheesy uh, outfit, <laughs> his suits and stuff. And I was like, okay, I can, I can dig this for Lloyd because they never really describe Lloyd all that much in the book other than saying he's like a baby face kid, like a baby face man. So I'm kind of <laughs> I really want to see some Vegas um, just because it looks so oh, I don't even know how to describe what Vegas looks like to me. Like in the book, they're very normal people. Like even Tom is like they look just like us. Yeah. But in the previews for this, <laughs> they're like, you know, showgirls and feathers and leather things that don't cover a whole lot <laughs> of skin. And I'm just like, and I've got this- no problem with that. No. Because <laughs> I'd be in Vegas, I guess. Shit. I, I think, you know, I'd go to Vegas for a weekend. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm, back I'm, to not, Boulder. I'm not staying there. Although Boulder's cold. It is cold in the wintertime, yes. But yeah. um, I was actually, before we got on to do this, I was watching a football game that was in Boulder and there was snow on the field. So <laughs> I would not want to live there. I mean, I live in Ohio, so what can I say? But I definitely would not want to live in the mountains in the wintertime. But I'm... I'm really excited to see the other characters overall. I thought this was really well done. It's funny that I see like the casting, like, you know, the guy who played Cobb, uh, who ended up killing um, Dr. Ellis and then got the scalpel to the tube neck. Yeah. Um, you know, his casting, because he's been in a lot of stuff, like he's been in a lot and they casted him and I was like, oh man, he's like, Stu's going to have this guy following him around and maybe he's like the deets or whatever. And he's like in it for like 12 minutes and then he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of like I'm looking at these casting choices like, well, how long are we even going to see these people? So I don't know. I'm kind of excited for some more surprises to see what's going to happen, especially in the next episode, because I get to see Larry finally. 
What's um you, you've got to be so thrilled for Larry. I am. I'm so excited for Larry. Uh, Sarah, you can dig your man. I dig this man. I'm telling <laughs> I you. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> I like him a lot. Uh, <laughs> I like that they. Uh, I like who they got for this. I saw him in Fences. He played Denzel Washington's son. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, this guy's really good. Uh, but you know, I've never heard of him before. And I kind of just after that, I was like, all right, well, that was a good movie. But Larry, I think, was my big worry about who they were going to get. And, you know, in the 94 series, Adam Stork was pretty good. He's a good looking kid. Uh, he, I thought he would played Larry fairly well. I think I'm worried because I don't see any casting for Lucy. So I'm really, really worried that they're not going to have Lucy, which I think Lucy is kind of a catalyst for a lot of Larry's changing. So if they don't have Lucy, I'm kind of scared to see what they're going to do. I thought that was Lucy with him, though, uh, or, or with Stu. There's that scene where Stu is introducing himself to Larry in the trailer. That's that's Nadine, the blonde. Oh, fuck. He's with, he arrives in Boulder with the judge, who is also a woman now. Yeah, She yeah, was on right. two episodes of the X-Files that I've seen so far. And uh, Amber Heard. Who's she on the X-Files? She, okay, do you remember the very second episode, Deep Throat, where they go uh-huh. to that army base? The wife of the pilot who disappeared in the oh, army wouldn't shit. give her. Yeah, yeah, that she, they think is dead. Yeah, yeah, and her name is right on the tip of my tongue because it's such a unique last name. But then she was also in a later episode playing a doctor. Two completely yes. different characters, but yes, she also yes. plays a doctor. And that's in season two. That's in season two. Yeah. And I remember because I would watch. Um, I, the Golden Girls is one of my favorite shows, and I would watch these episodes over and over. I have them on DVD, of all things, and they reused actors all the time for different characters, all the time. Did you ever watch The Golden Girls? When it was airing, Okay, I'm you old. Re- well, I'm old, too. Do you remember okay. Rose and Miles? Of course. Okay. Of course. The guy who played Miles played a boyfriend of Rose's in the like the second or third episode named Arnie. So they reused these people all the time. And so watching the X-Files now, when I see somebody like as a supporting actor in this episode, and then like the next season, they'll be in it playing someone else. I'm like, what? Alex Krychek. Yeah, I was about to say, Nicholas Lee played somebody in the first season. Yeah, He played a guy who got picked up at a bar by, oh, it was Genderbender. Yeah. By the uh, the Amishy kind of people who could change their gender, which was strange. But he got picked up at the bar and survived this attack. And then he comes back, like, I think at the end of that season, he comes back. Uh, he's in the second season, isn't he? Alex yeah. Krychek? Yeah. yeah. He comes back as Krychek. So they reuse those actors all the time. So, But anyway, I got off on a tangent about Gabrielle Rose, who's playing the judge. She's a great character actor, too. She's been in a lot of stuff. So, But there's no Lucy. I see no Lucy. I'm very disappointed if Lucy hmm. is not in this series, but maybe they've somebody suggested to me that they combined Lucy and Rita, but I don't see that happening given what happens to Rita. Yeah, and, and then, um, and yeah, but you know, Rita's Rita's death, I think, is the biggest catalyst for Larry changing. Yeah, but Lucy is the reason why he rejects Nadine. So I don't really know how they're going to do that. Maybe Lucy's in this and she just has a very small role. So she's just not. But Joe is cast. There's somebody playing Joe in this. Yeah, Joe is cast. But in all the 
pictures I've seen, Joe is hanging out with either Nadine or Fran. So, yeah. So I'm not sure yet what is going to happen with the Lucy angle. You know, and we talked about, like, name recognition, like, with uh, Molly Ringwald as Fran. But in this, like, Heather Graham is playing Rita. But she's in, like, all the promotional stuff. And Rita is not that huge a character. She's not a main character. She has an important part to play, but she's going to die. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. But she's yeah. she's she's not gonna make it. So why is Heather Graham it's I have to assume it's just because it's Heather Graham that well, they she want her made her foray to television anyway. Yeah, she was on and Scrubs. I li- yeah. Yes. I love Scrubs. Um I like Heather Graham a lot. I just it's funny to me when I see like the promos and the pictures and the posters and she's like there with Stu and Fran and Larry. And I'm like, why is Rita <laughs> in like holding hands with all these people and Mother Abigail? She didn't even meet Mother Abigail. So no, it's just no. it's just I'm just being nitpicky about it now, but I, I'm trying not to get too judgy about it until I actually see what happens. God damn it, Christmas Eve. Get here soon. Oh, it I is going to be. I find out what happens. Is it really going to be Christmas Eve? I'm trying to see. Yeah. 17 ah. plus 7 is 24. Well, how, how am I supposed to explain them to my husband that we're watching The Stand instead of It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve? <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to enjoy it, but uh, he is going to watch it with me, so we'll see. Just be like, you ain't no nice guy. You ain't no... Yeah, he won't get that. <laughs> no, he probably won't. All he does now is troll me about who's playing Captain Trips. He's done it so many times. Jerry so Garcia. Like, Man, I'll mention somebody. be like, oh, so you play Captain Trips? I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's funny. Like the first two times. Now I'm just like, yep, that's who he plays. So. <laughs> oh, that's what husbands do to their wives. Man. They just repeat the same jokes over and over. Which is funny because I told you about my dream last night. Yes. How I trapped we were recording and there was just noise and everybody was interrupting us and your wife was in my dream, but I don't oh. know your wife. I've never seen or met your wife, but she was the one who was like, We're gonna set off fireworks and I was like, What? <laughs> so, Are you serious? I'm serious. Yes. What a pain in the ass. <laughs> Man, so tell her I'm very upset with her from my yeah, dream. I'm gonna have to give her a spanking. <laughs> well do yeah, you could do that when we hang up. <laughs> Of course. I will. Thanks for the permission. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So, anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about with this episode? I'm trying to think of what we might have missed in terms of characters, but they really kind of consolidated this first episode to Stu, Fran, and Harold. Yes. Um, So we kind of just... Just a smidgen of flag. Just a smidgen of whoopee and just, (laughs) just a smidgen of flag. So... I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I was thinking of at the time that I really wanted to talk about, but obviously I've been rambling on for an hour and 20 minutes already. But, you know, what are your impressions about, you know, the series? Do you think that it's going to live up to the hype of that first episode? Are you kind of nervous about any particular part of it? Are you excited to see something specific? Tom Cullen. Tom Cullen? Brad Henke? I loved that guy on Orange is the New Black. Yeah. So I want to see him play. I just, I just Are don't you need Robert Downey Jr. giving him the, <laughs> you know, Sean Penn didn't, didn't get an Oscar. Why? Tom <laughs> yes. Hanks played Forrest Gump. Yeah. Do you think, so, are you worried about that characterization at all? Do you think that they're going to kind of water that down? I see. Now that it's a really fine line to walk too, but 
I mean, he, he's got like almost the book description going on. The big burly, like, you know, doofy guy. He's not tall enough, I don't think. But I also think well, the he's not, back was he's just not blonde and Swedish looking either. But yeah. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah, but he's big and like, you know, big and burly. He's, he's just, got a big build. He's got that strength. Yeah, exactly. So, and he's kind of I mean, got we'll that see. teddy bear quality going for him. I love his clothes. I saw there some of his- There was that shot in, in that second trailer of just his face, and it was just yeah. like that shock and innocence at the same time where I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And I teared up a bit. I'm so, pretty Tom. sure that that is the scene where Julie pulls the gun on Nick, and he's trying to get Nick- out because Nick's yeah. back is turned and Nick obviously cannot hear <laughs> and Julie is crazy. So I also saw a picture of of uh, the guy playing Tom in an outfit and the clothes that he's wearing with like this cute little hat. Oh, it was so cute. I was like, oh, oh that was, a, that, was a, that, that screensaver thing that kept going over and over again oh, on, yes, uh, yes. on Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. It's adorable. Because <laughs> so, you even said in the chat, like, I need a copy of that picture of Tom. I need that still. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. I need that to put on my website ASAP. And I actually got one too. So, oh, well, I, I got one. No one sent it to me. I found it. But I'm excited to see Tom. I'm excited to see Tom and Nick actually because- yeah. Obviously, Larry's my favorite, but uh, Nick and uh, Tom's relationship is just one of my favorite parts of the book. And I'm not going to spoil where that goes or what happens to either of them. But that whole arc of their relationship from beginning to end is one of my favorite parts of the book. M-O-O-N. Yes. I just, you got to have that. He better be spelling shit. M-O-O-N. Because if I don't get any M-O-O-Ns, I'm going to write Josh Boone. A very strongly worded letter asking why when that is the whole, like, you hear the stand, you hear quotes from the stand. What do you immediately think of? Oh, of it's course, yeah. M-O-O-N spells whatever. So, Well, you know what? Maybe it won't be M-O-O-N because, you know, we're not going to get the Lincoln Tall, so we're not going to get M-O-O-N. Oh, uh, stop it. No. What, what else are we going to miss here? Uh, so, oh, <laughs> Hemingford Home, Colorado. Uh, Colorado. Um, what else? Well, we're getting the zoo. So that'll be I nice. Mean, we are getting the zoo. We're getting the That's zoo, fair. but we better get the hand of God because I'm really eager to see how they handle that. Um, and actually, you know, based on the book and then looking at the 94 series, I don't even necessarily think they have to, spoiler in the next three seconds, I don't really think that they have to form a hand of God right. because in the book... It's just something that looks to them like a hand. It could have been a cloud. It could be something completely different, um, triggering that blue fire that makes the bomb go off. So I'm you know I'm what's really... funny is you didn't want to spoil any something with <laughs> Nick and Tom before. But, I know. And the, hey, but let's I talk said, about the hand of I, God. I said spoiler in three seconds. So if they didn't I hit know, the button I fast know. enough. <laughs> the funny thing is too, like, is if this is your first time listening to the circle opens, you should go back to the beginning and listen, listen to the book as well. Yeah, I might have to put that in the show notes, like mild, mild spoilers for the book. So do not listen to this until you've read the book or you don't care. It's just so easy to talk about it with somebody because you are my very first guest on The Circle Opens. And usually it's just me sitting in my closet talking about the book to myself and to the people listening. So it's just easy to kind of get into a a rhythm of talking about what we want to see from the book. And then, of course, we have to spoil it because we're going beyond what we've already seen in the series. So, yeah, um, but. I don't know. I really enjoyed that first episode. I really enjoyed the acting. I thought the writing was well done. 
obviously there's the small disappointments, like not seeing Fran's mom, you know, Whoopi Whoopi's giving, performance. Wh- Whoopi's 45 seconds uh, was kind of like, okay, well, let's see what else she can do from here. And then, fingers you know, crossed. fingers crossed, not really seeing a whole lot of the Arnett guys beyond the, I'm glad they did show the flashback to uh, Campion uh, wrecking his car because I was kind of worried with the, with the, the way they started it that maybe they would just mention it. So I was kind of happy to see that, you know, Stu was the one who pulled Campion out of the car. I like that we got to see Campion escape. There were some smaller things that I was kind of like, well, I would have enjoyed to see some more of, you know, the world at large when the the flu catches on. But we might still get that. So I don't want to be too disappointed about it. And (laughs) Matt Frewer. I think it's Matt Frewer was the guy on the radio that blew his head off. Really? I think the voice just sounded like Matt Frewer. Who? Okay. Somebody online said that there was a really fun cameo for the voice of the president. I don't know who that was. Do you know oh, who that was? Oh, neither do I. No. Yes. And I asked him. And we follow each other on Instagram. Um, And he is the one who put on his... He was in the... He got to see the premiere with everybody else. And he said that, oh, it was a really great cameo for the president. And I I asked him, I said, who? And he didn't get back to me. <laughs> so I was like, who is the president? Who does the voice? But I well, don't know that... What it, I'm catching here looking online... Yeah. Uh, Does it it say? might be Stephen King. No, it doesn't it? sound like Stephen King. It though. didn't sound like Stephen King at all. The stand audiences should watch for creators. Do you want to watch? Well, I know that I saw that article where they said that watch out for King cameos. Did oh, they yeah. say cameos we'll him, plural? So, yeah, no, it says we'll see him. We'll see uh, him. I guess we'll find out when IMDb is like hi. Well, because there's did, nothing on IMDb yet. Did they show credits during the premiere? Because I was writing things down. And I don't know if they should. Did they show credits? They did, but usually a cameo like that would go. Oh know, my it's kind of like Jeff Goldblum was uncredited. Damn. In okay. The original one, well, so. maybe after this this episode is posted and it aired, maybe we'll know. And if somebody listening right now knows who the voice of the president was, please tell me because it's driving me crazy. Oh my and god! I wanna- yes, please. Yes, please. I need to know this. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night wondering. It's Kathy Bates. That would be talking amazing. like a man. <laughs> I really thought when the guy when they started talking, um, when it was when Harold was <laughs> in front of the mirror, correct? Yeah, when he's listening yeah. to the radio, and the guy shoots himself, and then Harold's like, "Eh," <laughs> which I just laughed. He's just like, yeah. "Okay." Um, I was really hoping the guy would say Ray Flowers because that would have been great. That would have been a nice little. But Ray doesn't shoot himself. The government shoots Ray. So yeah, and I still um, kind of hope that it's Kathy Bates again. You want to see Kathy Bates again? That yeah, would be great. That would be great. We'll see. I know Mick Garris has a cameo, so I'm wondering to see. I want to see who he's going to be. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I, I'm excited that it's a weekly thing because I like having something to look forward to now, weekly. But at the same time, I really wish I could just binge it all Thursday night and just yeah. have it all. So, But I'm I'm excited for more of it. I was really impressed with the first episode. I hope other people will be equally happy with it. I know there's going to be some negative Nancys out there. Um, I already... saw one on your thread already. Oh, you know. yeah. He didn't yeah. like it, which is okay. Everybody is allowed to have their own opinion. Hopefully, maybe it'll get better for people who saw it and didn't like it. But it seems yeah. like some of the reviews coming in that are talking about it found it enjoyable. 
I just think there's so many high expectations that come with King adaptations. And I feel like we should all know better by now uh, not to put too much hope and optimism into a King adaptation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've seen it chapter two. You know that they're not going to be good. Well, and, you know, not just it chapter two, but remember when they did The Mist as a series? Did you watch I didn't any of watch that? It. Okay. I, I not, ignored the shit out of that. Not worth it. Could have been really great. Not great. Under the Dome could have been great had they followed the book, but it was not great. You know, it chapter two I enjoyed for what it was. It could have been better. It wasn't great. I enjoyed it chapter one a heck of a lot more than it chapter Same. two. But you know, not everything can be Shawshank or Stand by Me, um, even no. Misery to an extent, but. Lately, it just seems like, you know, In the Tall Grass. Did you see that on Netflix? I have not, no. Okay. And I haven't seen Gerald's <sighs> Game yet either. Uh, you know what? I haven't seen Gerald's Game either. My sister loves horror, and she does not get squicked out by anything, but she said the end of that movie, she just can't talk about it because <laughs> it oh. grosses her out. So I'm kind of excited <laughs> to see what she's talking All right. about. All right. So cool. I'll watch it eventually because I love uh, Carla, G- is it Gigino? I think Gugino? she's great. Yes. She was fantastic in The Haunting of Hill House. So I'll see Gerald's. Yeah. Yeah, Watchmen. That, you know, and that's usually not my kind of movie, but that was a, I thought that was a good movie. I actually. Randall Flagg's in it. We talked about that on my episode. I I read that. (laughs) I I read that whole graphic novel too, which I never read graphic novels. I think the first graphic novel I ever read was The Stand (laughs) by Marvel. (laughs) But I did read Watchmen and I liked the movie, so. I like Carlo Giudino. So I'll, I'll watch Gerald's game eventually, but In the Tall Grass was not good. Uh, I still haven't seen 1922, although I loved the short story. So I'll watch that too. It's just, I think there's the part. Did you read the story? Have you seen it? I have not read nor seen it. Okay. Then I won't spoil you, but there is a part with a cow that I got really upset about. I'm not going to watch or read. <laughs> yeah. It's, so. it's kind of like, uh, Dolores Claiborne. I saw the movie before I read the book. Uh, and uh, that scene on the boat, I'm not reading seen that it. fucking book. Have not uh, seen the movie. Have you read it? No. The, it's uh, on my I mean, list. I, I'm not going to spoil it, but there, okay, there's don't a scene on the it. boat that I just, I, I just, the, I didn't want It's any. the animals. I can't do it. Like if there's something, I don't care what kind of animal it is. It just makes me upset. Like, well, this even is it, not an animal, but still, okay. I'm with you. Yeah. I just, even the, even in the stand with the kid and the wolves. <laughs> I was like, oh, poor wolf. <laughs> like, I, was, I was like, these poor, poor puppies. I'm with you. I'm with you. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's. Um, Dr. Sleep was great. Yes. You the and three McGregor. Hour version. The three I hour have version. not seen the director's cut. I haven't watch seen the director's it. cut. It's okay. Excellent. I'll watch. I've not seen that one yet. Um, I will watch the director's cut. You and McGregor, I thought, was perfectly cast as Danny. So I was really happy yeah. about that. Um, and then, you know, but more often than not, King adaptations are a disappointment. And I think it's because, you know, we talked about this on your podcast, is they change so much of King's source material that it becomes unrecognizable. And it's really hard to, like, enjoy it for what it is instead of comparing it constantly to the books. But with The Sand, I, I'm, I'm okay with kind of accepting that they're going to change some things and they're going to leave out some things because you cannot do this book justice in nine hours even uh if you wanted to fit everything in the book it would be easily like a two season 
TV series, which I would have been okay yeah. with. But I, I think that for me, I'm a little bit more open to accepting changes for my favorite book than I think some King fans are going to be. So I think some King fans are going to be really disappointed with this, but hopefully they'll find uh, that it's, it's, um, I think it's so far, I'm enjoying it more than the 94 series, but we'll have to see how it ends too. That's a good point. And I mean, for me, I just <laughs> usually go in like, with zero expectations. This way I'm never let down. That's smart. I go in with really high expectations <laughs> with almost well, everything. <laughs> there are times you see people that get so disappointed in something because it didn't have this that they wanted it to have. Or it didn't yeah. have this. It's like, well, how about this? Like, let it tell the story it's going to tell. And then, mm-hmm. then you can decide whether or not the story they told was shit or good. Right. If you've already decided that it's going to be shit because it doesn't have something that you wanted, then, you know, you're just not going to enjoy anything because how many... How many adaptations from a book are ever, like, accurate to the point where, like, they take the source material and they make it a movie and that's that? They Ah, always... Sleepers did that. They always change things. They always change things to, I guess, you know, you'd call it Hollywoodize it, but I don't know. I think with some things I get so excited and I look at it and sometimes I come away with it disappointed. You know, um, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So when Fantastic Beasts was coming out, I was like, oh, my God. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I was just like, eh, eh. I got myself built up a little bit too much. But, you know, with this, with the stand, I just couldn't help but be excited because I've been waiting so damn long for it. Same. Um, that I, but I was also willing to be like, okay, Whoopi, let's wait and see what she does. My pleasure of this book coming to life, you know, finally, after what? 20 when was 94 god damn it's 2020 yeah, yeah that's yeah. a long time ago and i've been don't waiting do a math, long time. 26 years no i don't do i don't do math <laughs> did you say 26 years yeah see me i'd be getting out my calculator and like i'd be like 2020 minus 1994 to figure it out because i don't do math so um which is funny plays progressive rock everything is math to me <laughs> um i'm i do accounting at work so that should scare you Oh, so you've got a calculator in front of you constantly. I have a program that does the math for me. <laughs> oh, that's 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 great. Look at all these computer programs. Don't you don't need to think anymore or do anything for yourself. Uh-uh, don't worry, no. your apps will do it for you. <laughs> and you know what will happen when the end of the world hits and everything dies? I will be helpless. I will not survive probably more than a couple days. So I've accepted my fate and I'm okay with it. Well, you're not gonna have to do math. No. Well, Maybe. Well, you might, yeah. I mean, I because might. like, okay, ration liquids and food. Rationing, miles to go, all that stuff. I'll have to just make sure I have a pen and paper because I can do math like on pen and paper. So I'm, I'll, I think I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so we've, uh, uh, we've talked for a long time, mostly me just rambling on about my favorite stuff about the show, but. Me interrupting you? That's fine. I like being interrupted. It's a very lo- It's a yes, very it lonely uh-huh. place. In this closet all by myself every Saturday <laughs> for an hour or so talking to myself. So, but thank you so much for coming on here and talking about the first episode with me. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm kind of hoping that you'll pop back on for another episode or two after we've watched Hell them. yes. Because it'd be fun to kind of, you know, when you're starting at the first episode, you kind of have to uh, edit yourself a little not to go too far into the future because you really don't know what's going to happen. But after we get a few episodes under our belt and we have like a, 
a, a cohesive story happening. It'll be a lot of fun kind of to go back and look at what was foreshadowed or what we should have known and kind of dissect all of that. So it would be really fun. I'm down for it. And then we can come back after this is over and we can watch the 94 series and have a real good time talking about that one. <laughs> oh, hell yes. <laughs> the good and the bad. And I have so many thoughts on both of those. So, But if you would like, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Ah, that's very easy on the Twitters. It's at WDIM Podcast and mm-hmm. it's at WDIMPodcast.com if you want to go onto the interwebs. However, you can go to Apple Music, Spotify, wherever your finest podcasts are streamloaded down thing stuffs. Yes. And there are a lot of places to stream. So um, the What Does It Matter podcast, which is one of my favorite to listen to, especially when I'm at work and doing mind numbing tasks. It certainly keeps me uh, amused most of the time. <laughs> uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on oh, here and talking to me. I love talking about the stand with people, especially people who uh, love it as much as I do, you know, who don't ask me if so-and-so is playing Captain Trips every day of my life, like people who actually, (laughs) my husband cough. Um, So, yeah, so we'll have you back. Um, I say we, like there's more than one of me here, but (laughs) I will have you back. (laughs) (laughs) I will have you back on here maybe, uh, and maybe around like the new year when we get like two more episodes under our, uh, under our belt. I almost said under our butt, but that doesn't make any sense. So I don't sit on the television. Well, I told you I had this dream last night that I kept messing up my words. I couldn't even say the circle opens without screwing it up. So I think I'm starting to like fulfill this destiny that I had that my dream told me about. So, um, well, the octagon closes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but other than that, uh, if you guys want to give me a rating review, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. And like Sean said, all those other wonderful streaming uh, services out there on the interwebs and beyond. And if you want to keep up to date with the uh, news about the stand, you can follow me on social media at The Circle Opens. You can email me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or find me online at thecircleopens.com. And that's going to be it for this special episode of The Circle Opens. And uh, I haven't gotten to say this for a long time, so I'm really excited to say it now. So (laughs) M-O-O-N, that spells, I will see you next week. (laughs) 